My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The and The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The React. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Underground. The Decision. The Spoke. The Departure. The Second Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Conspiracy. The Separation. The Deception. The Suspicion. Resistance. The Extreme Sacrifice. The Diversion. The Beginning. And my name is Emily. Excellent. We're Yay, so happy to have you. <laughs> I'm very excited. So what's your experience with Animorphs? So I started reading Animorphs, I think, pretty much when it came out. Um, so I was looking up the dates and everything, and I would have been about eight, which sounds Ooh, right. Because so young. Yep. Yeah, because um, I was really into uh, Goosebumps before that. And then I remember I have a very distinct memory of walking into Walden Books <laughs> when I was young <laughs> and going straight down that middle aisle to like the young adult kids section, whatever. And I remember seeing Cassie's first book with the dolphin coming uh-huh, out uh-huh. Uh, it was facing outwards and then the rest of the books were facing with like the spine in so I couldn't see the covers so mm. that could have influenced me the fact that hers <laughs> was like facing out but I right. al- like the dolphin yeah, but I also think it's the fact that it was a black girl turning into a dolphin and I had Ooh. never seen anything like that before I was telling Ted this I am a I am a Latina woman. Uh, back then, I was a obviously a Latina girl, and I was very aware that I was like not seen on like any covers. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that, I was like, I want to buy this book. I have no idea what it's about. I love animals, and uh, it's not a blonde girl. I didn't pick the Rachel book. <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, and then I realized it was part of a series then. So then I, the next time I went back to the bookstore, I think I bought the rest of them through seven because I think that was all that was out at that time. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I continued with it as it, you know, was released. So I was also looking at the date in The Sickness and it said it was printed in May 1999. So I would have been about to turn 11 in June, which makes sense. I would have been about to graduate fifth grade so I would have just read the first Harry Potter book, which was released mm. in the U.S. in 1998. So that's where I was mentally. And that's probably why I remember this so well, is it was probably one of the last ones that I was, like, super dedicated to. Because once mm. this was, once Harry Potter came out, like, my life changed forever. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's mentally where I was. I was a fifth grader when I read this. Emily, did we ever talk about Animorphs when we went to school together? No, and I'm really mad about that. (laughs) I'm so mad about it, too. Because we missed each other in that time of our lives, I guess. Were you in elementary school together? No, No, we we didn't. Middle school. Not until sixth grade. Sixth grade. Yeah. And I don't think you and I really became friends until, like, seventh or eighth grade? I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was go. I was just going through my eighth grade journal, and there are no references <laughs> to the Animorphs, which I am appalled. appalled at. Ah. But it had just wrapped up, and you know, I didn't have anyone to talk yeah. to about it, so I had moved on. I didn't know that anyone was into it. The only friend I ever had who was into it was a boy back at my elementary school, um, and we actually like played Animorphs. Like, <gasps> tell me everything. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you so, have to acquire the Morphs? 
so I I was Cassie, and he was. This is an interesting combination. He was Marco or Tobias, depending hmm. on his mood, okay. which is funny because they seemed so different. Yeah, Whoa. He was like the class clown, but he was also very like, I guess, really into birds. And I, I don't remember why, but I do remember saying to him once like, well, um, don't you think you might be Jay? <laughs> like <laughs> trying to like, trying to like, you know, yeah, I, uh. I love I that. Crush on it. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. But he was like the only one I I did that with. So we would just Cute. like walk around and talk about animorphs while being Cassie and he would be Marco or Tobias. Did it you was weird. Did you like fight the Yerks? When you were playing? Well, so we we imagined that, um, like, this is so mean now that I think of it. We imagined that, uh, like, the the recess monitor was a controller. <laughs> hey, maybe they so were. We don't know. Yeah, so we would, like, dodge around her and, like, watch her <laughs> from, like, the corner of the playground. That's an and she, game. like, knew that we were, like, staring at her and laughing from, like, behind bushes and stuff. So she, I I feel really bad. I think she was fine. She's like, kids are being weird. It's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are animals. It's just yeah, yeah. Every recess yeah. monitor ever. Yeah. Anyway, I love that's that. That's very cool. I also love your story of seeing Cassie and being like, "Oh, a black girl turning into a dolphin." I I feel like yeah. Apple Grant would be so excited about yeah. that. I I like needed that book. Yeah. So yeah, first impressions of this book. Uh, Gray seemed to have some things to say. Yeah, about Gray. It. What's your take? I am irrationally angry about this book. In, in what way? I'm, I'm so mad about it. I'm Wait, okay. in what way? I'm, I'm mad about almost everything that happens in the entire <laughs> plot, including almost everything that Cassie says and does. I don't know why, but I'm like actually kind of a little bit mad about this book. The brain surgery thing, I'm mad about that. <laughs> I'm mad about everyone gets the flu. Like the whole thing is crazy. Again, Cassie makes some bad decisions, but also this is, it's the sequel to 19 and it is all of Cassie's bad decisions from 19 coming home to roost and it's all fine. I'm irrationally angry about this book. Okay. Wait, you were rooting for the animals to lose? <laughs> no, but I mean, I I just... <sighs> All right, that's great. Yeah. Good take. There's yeah. going to be some controversy here. I Jenny. love this book. Yeah. I love, I love it so much. Too. I wrote that I'm in so big glad. letters like, ooh, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love just everything about this book. I love the school dance scene. I love how much of a <gasps> yes. complete badass Cassie is for the entire thing. Um, I I love Delirious Axe. Oh, poor Axe. It's just gold. And I love how hard Cassie has to work to undo the potential bad consequences of her bad decisions. Like, I feel like she really earned that. Yeah. Could have, yeah, yeah. I mean... It did seem like the year pool scene was a little easy, but you know, it we'll was, talk about it. That's the only thing that I, that like really bothered me was like everything kept like just working and I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about it later, but like the whole infesting the girl thing yeah. and like, I can't let her know that I'm an animorph and I'm like, well, then she just heard it, right? Technically, because that's yeah, what yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we we'll should get, get into, into that. Like, yeah. That, we'll girl, into that girl's dead, but, like, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I was like, she would have had to have been murdered by Visser Three. So, what did you? What do? You, why do you love it, Emily? Well, I just love it because like everything you basically just said. Like the whole dance scene was amazing. 
Um, I literally wrote down the, one of the sentences, picture the lights low, the decorations limp. Like, <laughs> oh my God. That was, they understood. That, was, yeah. that was middle school dance right they there. They knew what they were talking I, about. I could hear it. I could see it. Um, Marco, everything Marco did in this book I loved. Like, ugh, he was so ridiculous. Um, I loved Cassie being a Banff. Yes. The brain surgery scene. Like, I know it was unrealistic maybe that she could do it so easily, but I still, I don't know. I just loved, I just loved how Eric was there too. Um, And then I just loved the resolution and how she communicated with Mr. Tidwell. I'll talk more about him (laughs) later, but like, I loved Mr. Tidwell. Yeah. Uh, I found Mm -hmm. him so complex and interesting. And like, I really want to talk about him a lot more. Going into this, I was so skeptical that I would be convinced by the Ilum-Mr. Tidwell relationship, Uh but I'm totally convinced. It's like, it's, it's amazing. And I love like this as a sequel to 19. I think it works really well. I like how it's not just a retread of the same kind of agonizing decision from 19 that Cassie has to go through. Mm -hmm. Here she has to, because she is the only Animorph left, she chooses to be decisive because she can't, like, it's like, it's amazing Mm -hmm. how she's like, well, I'll quit because the other ones will keep going. And now she's like, Uh oh, I guess it's me. Mm -hmm. And she no longer has to agonize over every choice. We should definitely give our listeners some context in case they haven't read or don't remember this book. We've, oh, yeah, yeah that's true. summary. <laughs> Would you like a summary in that case? I love it. All right. So the Animorphs go to an awkward middle school dance so as to do something nice and normal. However, Axe gets sick and starts accidentally demorphing in the middle of the dance. So one of their teachers, Mr. Tidwell, escorts them out of the dance and tells Cassie he knows Axe is an Andalite and he also knows who and what the Animorphs are. It turns out Mr. Tidwell is a controller, but he and his Yerk, whose name is Ilim, are part of the Yerk Peace Movement. They bring Cassie a message from Aftran, her Yerk friend from 19. Aftran has been taken by Yerk security and is going to be questioned by Visser 3. If he breaks her, Visser 3 will know all about the Animorphs and also about the peace movement. So they get Axe to Cassie's barn and learn that Axe has an infection that is attacking a gland in his brain. In order to save him, they have to wait for his temperature to go back to normal and then operate on his brain to remove that gland. Applegate, the ghostwriter, and their editors have never talked to an immunologist ever. (laughs) They get Eric to keep an eye on him, and they project the hologram of an empty barn stall while the animorphs get ready to rescue Aftran. (laughs) They do this by morphing eels in the local water tower, getting pulled into pipes, and then, in theory, following a map of the pipes into the yerk pool. Except halfway through this escapade, they realize Jake is getting sick with whatever Axe has, which for the humans seems to be just the flu, and they call off the mission. One by one, all the animorphs but Cassie get the flu, so it's up to her. Mr. Tidwell tells Cassie that Visser 3 is back earlier than expected, and she has to act today to save Aftran. So she's up against two time restraints, the uncertain amount of time it will take for Axe's temperature to go back to normal, and the eight-ish hours before Visser 3 will interrogate Aftran. So Cassie comes up with a crazy plan and morphs into Ilum, Mr. Tidwell's yerk, which, can I just say, I've been suggesting they do forever. (laughs) Uh, She then infests Mr. Tidwell and keeps Ilum in a Ziploc. And this is, by the way, one of the dumbest parts of a dumb plan. Why wasn't she in the Ziploc (laughs) and letting Ilum stay in Mr. Tidwell's head? Doesn't make any sense. So they go to the Yerk pool. Cassie in Yerk Morph finds Aftran just as Visser 3 arrives to interrogate her. Cassie infests some random girl, grabs Aftran from Visser 3, dives into the Yerk pool, gets out of the girl's head, demorphs, morphs into an Osprey, grabs Aftran, and, improbably, escapes from the Yurk pool despite being chased by all the controllers, Visser 3, and a hunter robot. She gets back to the barn just in time to perform brain surgery on Axe, but in order to find out where the gland is in his brain, she infests him with Aftran, who finds the gland and tells Cassie how to find it. Cassie then successfully removes that gland. 
They then have to figure out what to do with Aftran, who is going to die without being able to visit the Yerkul and the Kindrona rays. Aftran asks Cassie for a quick death, but instead they allow her to use the Morphing Cube, and she becomes a whale forever. And it ends with Jake congratulating Cassie on a win. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, it was so great. <laughs> Cassie is just amazing in this entire book. She's so competent. She's so and competent. And like in 28, she was also incredibly competent. Yes. And we had seen MVP. several books before that of Cassie being very damselified. Like she was always the one who like passed out in the battle and Rachel had to save her or something or, or Jake had to save her or think he hadn't saved her. And now she just is doing all the cool stuff and everyone else is collapsing from illness, but not her. Mm-hmm. And it's That's great. True. At one point, Jake, like, collapses in her arms, and I was like, yes! <laughs> this is the best reversal that's ever happened. Right, that's Actually, it was Cassie and Marco's arms, so, yeah. I was going to say, like, once again, Cassie and Marco are a good mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. when they're, when they're like, kind of working together. <laughs> I don't know. Just saying. But also, Marco gets to catch Jake yeah, just it's as much true. as Cassie does. And then the two of them get to carry Jake, who, as we know, is very tall, and they are is very that, short. A big guy. <laughs> He's taller than Eric. A big guy. <laughs> they make a chair with their arms. Yes, and they carry him home, and it's very sweet. Yes. Where, yeah. where should we even start? With how badass Cassie is. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, okay, so one of the great things about it is, this is one of the best things about Cassie. She's so competent. But when you're living in her head, she's always worried about, like, making a mistake and she's feeling Mm -hmm. overwhelmed by things. And then she doesn't appreciate how she's able to continue to act even though she's feeling overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. the bit where she's like, okay, well, if I'm going to have to do the brain surgery, I guess I'm going to go, like, find all the tools and stuff and, like, think Mm -hmm. about how I'm going to cut into Axe's skull. And she's like, will this saw work? Will that saw work? And it's like, this is amazing. You know, like... (laughs) I can't, I, you know, I wouldn't even know where to start, you know, like. It's like, well, her dad, her dad makes birdhouses, so that helped her. Yeah, she, she had the tools that she, you know, she had the saws, she yeah. had the, like, operating room from the Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic, and she really just, like, she's pushed to, like, her utmost limits, but, like, really rises to it and, you know, doesn't hesitate in ways that compromise the mission. Right. Yeah. There's the bit yeah. where Mr. Tidwell kind of explains the stakes to her, and she has this moment where it's like, I put my head in my hands, like, mm-hmm. I wanted this all to go away. It was a nightmare. And then she just, like, takes a deep breath and keeps going. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's even the bit where um, Axe is struggling when he first gets sick and they're getting him out of the school Uh like it's like oh is he gonna demorph in front of everyone and then at the beginning of the next chapter as kind of like a transition thing she's like after we were outside the school i helped axe like successfully demorph Mm. and i I was just like so from anyone else's perspective this is probably super impressive right it's the thing Uh where she like grabs his head and like locks Mm -hmm. eyes with Mm -hmm. him and like slowly talks him down right and she's just like yeah i just helped him demorph you know it's humble cassie and she puts so many people in their place like so mm-hmm. often like at one point Tobias has just gotten sick and like flown into a rafter and she puts him in a cage in the barn and he's like no freebie it's like <laughs> Tobias gnawed on one of the cage's metal bars with his beak <laughs> which is just amazing she's like oh stop it he's such a drama queen <laughs> oh just stop it I snapped you're in the best place you could possibly be I have no time no time no time for any crap okay Okay, he said Beakley. Okay. Yes, ma'am, Eric said from the last stall. <laughs> it's just like, and Eric multiple times is like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And she's like, I couldn't have done it without you. He's like, yes, you could have. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, hi, I'm useless. You're amazing. Which, good point, Eric. <laughs> mm. No, okay, a couple things. One, why is Eric useless? I do not, 
This was this is to me. This is the worst plot hole. I don't know if this bothered you, Gray, but seriously, one of the chi has to be able to do brain surgery better than Cassie. Yes, like that. Come on, that thing. There's like this weird lampshade of like, <laughs> this, oh, wait, um, Gray, do you none have of us are doctors. Do you have something you need to read from your. Notes? Allow me to read you this thing from my notes. <laughs> <laughs> the chi have had thousands of years of fucking around, and not a single one of them is a doctor. Do something useful with your immortality. <laughs> it's like. The guy who plays Eric's father was a doctor in, like, 15th century France. Like, that's the most recent doctor you've had? It has been 500 years. Do something useful. Does violence count as surgery? Like, can they cut into oh. people? If they know it's to I help mean, them, you'd think they not. should be able to. Okay, but but restraining no. acts counts as violence, that's right? True. So th- that's true. That's true. No. That's weird, though. No. That's a really good point. It's, I mean, it is a good point. I mean, that's that was, like, the only thing that I could think is, like physically doing something that could cause harm yeah. because they always say when you have surgery like well you could die although you'd think you think that being count? a doctor in 15th century france would involve even more risk of death That's but there true. is this thing where yeah. like yeah if axe starts running around town with his underpants on his head as i think marco suggests <laughs> that <laughs> um there's no way for eric to stop it which I guess there's no, like, there was that thing in book 10 where Eric's father restrains Rachel as a bear. Yeah. And in 26, Eric picks up Guide and yeah. uses him as, a, as an escort shield. <laughs> That's true. So, like, where's the line? Yeah. It seemed a little unrealistic that Eric wouldn't be able to restrain Axe. Right. And that none of the cheek could do brain surgery. I got to that part where he's like, nope, none of us are doctors. And I was like, wow, this plot is really trying hard to set up Cassie as the only potential brain surgeon. Yeah. Right. I feel like they could have also easily explained that with like, well, none of the other chi really want to be involved with you yeah, guys. exactly. Maybe that's what it was. Because we've known that like not many of them want to yeah. deal. Like a lot of them just want to stay down. Jenny, I can't basement. believe you didn't rise to the occasion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I was on a really important mission at the time. I can't talk about it. <laughs> uh, Eric okay, didn't wait. tell me. My chi net was down. But the other thing about Dr. Cassie, right? She This is the role that she wants to be in, right? Because like, yeah. it's, it's not just the problem in 19 is she's horrified by the violence that she is doing. Mm-hmm. And here, she doesn't have to do any physical violence uh-huh. as part of the plan. So again, we should talk oh, about yeah. that girl again. Yeah. And her motivation is saving Axe's life uh-huh. and saving Aftran's life, uh-huh. which is very much like she's all about that and she's willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. Yeah. And so like the the thing where she's like putting Tobias in the cage is like, I know what's best for you. Like I'm the doctor here. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, 100% she's right. Tobias needs to just um, <laughs> suck it up Chill. and deal. Right. But then at the end, she's like, okay, I can't save Axe on my own. I'm going to infest him so Mm -hmm. that I can successfully perform the brain surgery. And that is like crossing a meaningful line and something that she, in the aftermath, Axe like comes back to consciousness screaming in agony Uh because it's like Mm -hmm. his worst nightmare is to have a yerk in his head, right? Mm -hmm. And she's basically just like, get over it, man, and doesn't really deal with that. Um, And I think Axe probably comes around at the end, but she's very much... When she's in this mindset of, like, whatever it takes to save Axe, she mm-hmm. doesn't care so much about oh, that's true. the patient's mm-hmm. consent. And she also tends to get really worried about putting other people in danger. But like, she doesn't want to take responsibility in book four. And in this one, she is the only one around. And it's really hard for her, but it helps her to 
like get over some of the hesitance of like taking charge of stuff. Right. Mm. And I had like two moments that I thought were really interesting. So I'm just going to read this. This is when Mr. Tidwell reveals that he knows who they are. She says, Mr. Tidwell was a controller. No question about that. And that meant he could not walk away, could not live to hurt us, to destroy us. I prepared to morph. Mm. Like, basically, she's saying, like, in that very few, like, brief second, like, she was ready to take him out. That's so true. Yeah, and Jake kind of told her to, also. Yeah, and then the other thing was, I hope we talk about this whole, like, assuming who the leader is going to be when Jake's not. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Because uh, when Mark is like, so I guess I'm the leader, and Cassie's like, yep. At first, I was like, why is she doing that? Like, why is she just easily letting that go? But then I was like, is this another example of that kind of subtle, manipulative Cassie that we've seen? Yep, you're the man. Where she's like, you know what? I'm not going to fight back here because we need things to move on. It's treating Marco like David. It's just like, yeah, I'll say whatever. Yep. And I was like, that's really interesting. And I kind of like that. I don't think that she would have wanted to be the leader because she hates being the leader. Like she will step up in situations where she needs to. But like, I don't think she would ever been like, yes, I want to be the leader of all of you. Like, Uh Right. Yeah. She's not going to say that. But I still found that. Like, why is Marco assuming he's the leader? I don't know. It's weird that, one, they feel the need for there to be an official leader, yeah. and two, they don't have a plan for if Jake yeah, if Jake gets taken out of commission. Think. But mm-hmm. anyway. He needs, like, a, a second. Yeah, and Rachel assumed it would be her, and Marco said the phrase, what did he call her? A violent, deranged junkie? Deranged violence junkie? Something like deranged that? Violence. Deranged violence junkie. And I know it was the heat of the battle moment. But, like, oh, that jumped out. Like, how do you really feel, Marco? Woo! But, okay, so why does Rachel want to be the leader? She kind of has the personality where she likes Stormy Head and being in charge. She doesn't want to... She definitely wouldn't want to have to answer to Marco. And I don't think it even occurs to her that Mm -hmm. um, Cassie or Tobias or Axe could be the leader. Because Axe is very like, I will not overstep. He needs a prince. You know, he he follows the prince. And Tobias and Cassie are both her damsels. So, you know, she's not going to follow them. I was going to say, she's she's the (laughs) damsel. Yes. And that is definitely true. I mean, she, she and Jake are cousins no. and are very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, okay. I didn't actually consider a process of elimination, but yeah. you're right. <laughs> yes. She would, I mean, Marco yeah. is the only other one who would be likely to want to step up. And I don't, I don't think she could handle following Marco. That's so fascinating mm-hmm. as Jake needing to balance Rachel and Marco. In yes, that way. absolutely. Right. He's, he's a necessary yeah. piece. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. the reason that they get along yeah. as well as they do. And he's the one they can both look to and respect, even while they're, like, warily side-eyeing each other. Right, mm-hmm. right. And they are the three most active, like, step-up-and-do-stuff Animorphs. Right. Yeah, in different ways. Okay, so I want to yes. jump back to the Mr. Tidwell moment you brought up. So when Cassie is considering, like, I have to murder the strictest teacher in the school because he knows <laughs> he knows about the plan, I'm realizing all I really want from the Animorphs is a, like... The Animorphs do a normal crime, and they just have to cover it up in, like, normal ways, using their Animorphs' powers. In, in sort of, like, like Kind of like a Fargo-style comedy of errors, where it's like, okay, well... To rob this museum it's or like, something? No, it's like, we had to kill Chapman. How are we going to cover Ooh. it up? And they just have to go through all the, like, the steps. It would be amazing. Okay, yes. I, I hope someone's that. Yeah. written that. I kept thinking, I definitely didn't think at the time, but there was, there was a moment where Mr. Tidwell is like, you were always such a good student, unlike Jake, who never really applied himself, which is hilarious. 
hilarious in its own right. But I kept thinking, like, here's this teacher, this, like, middle-aged or whatever man who teaches 13 or 14-year-olds and knew, like he knew from Aftran or whatever, that four of them are secretly fighting this war against the Yerk Empire. And is he okay with this? Apparently. <laughs> like, he's just like, yep, four of my students routinely put their lives in danger, like turning into animals and fighting the alien overlords. And not like, only that, cool. he's like, why don't you come and put yourself in more danger to save our movement? Yeah, come are on. none of the Yerk Beast movement Yerks... Do they have therapist hosts that they hook the kids up with? I, this didn't even occur to me, but you're so I mean, right. it's a very, like, it's a middle grade thing. Like, they are the heroes. The adults are just there to, like, be obstacles or occasional, like, interest. They're not going to be taking charge. But, like, reading it as an adult and being like, wow, Mr. Tidwell, did he have thoughts on this? Yeah, could he have, like, let them skate by with the homework? <laughs> like, you don't have to do this essay. It's the least he could do. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Maybe he can't. Yeah. He, I mean, he doesn't know about the cube. He doesn't know that he could join them and turn into animals and help them out but like doesn't even think that maybe I should reach out to them try to help offer a friendly shoulder yeah get the York peace <laughs> yeah, movement I mean, to save after no but again I mean, yeah. since he's Mr. Tidwell is just as much of a liability as anybody else at this point so again yes. why not recruit him right it's yeah. the same it's point just he wouldn't integrate well into their band of six I'm not sure about that <laughs> he seems like a pretty cool guy I like that him. would we'll yeah you know you're correct yeah yeah, do, I mean, do we want to talk about him? Okay, so yeah, what's the Ilum Tidwell situation? So, uh, it, originally, Mr. Tidwell was an, was an involuntary controller, but then Ilum realized that this whole enslaving people thing was wrong, and at the same time, Mr. Tidwell, who is a widower, realized that he like kind of liked having Ilum around, and then they became friends and joined the York Peace Movement. It's all very improbable. <laughs> is it? Why so? Know. I mean, okay, go on. <laughs> I wish they had been more specific about when his wife died, mm. because I couldn't really figure it out. But the whole grief thing, like when I was young, I did not understand it. And I do now. And it was just like, I can understand, I guess, how having someone else around kind of makes you want to live. And, and having a purpose. Being like, oh, I can help in this important fight. And you mm. wonder if like grieving got him into the sharing yeah, Which, I think it was his wife died yeah, before he got infested. That's what I was So he was wondering. particularly vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, I um, assume that that was the case. Okay, but, you know, does Mr. Tidwell have Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> it is a really um, yeah. interesting question of, like, you start with this extreme power dynamic of, I control you entirely. Mm-hmm. And you somehow get to this place of, like, okay, we're willing to work together. And it also, there's an interesting ambiguity here. In book two, it looked like Chapman's yurt could give up control control of Chapman's body and let him speak Mm -hmm. for himself. And in this book, it's sort of implied that that is not possible. Like when Cassie goes Mm -hmm. into Tidwell's head and she's like not doing anything, he's like, can't you figure out how to control my body? And and she kind of gets it together and does it. But it's like, oh, couldn't she just go along for the ride and he controls his body? Like, is that not possible? And there's also a point where Ilum and Mr. Tidwell are both speaking and Ilum says something to the effect of, um, I'm repeating to you what Mr. Tidwell says. So he's not letting Tidwell talk, he is repeating Tidwell's thoughts, which yeah. is very different. Well, and if we've seen hosts fight back against their Yerks and manage to say some things, like you'd think the Yerks could voluntarily give up that control. Yeah, my take on this was that like Yerks can be sort of a an automatic relay, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can sort of allow like it seems like with this repeating back thing, it's like in oh, fact is, he's just yeah. kind of like going into into autopilot where he's letting Mr. Tidwell filter through the Yerks control. 
And so like with um, Chapman or something, it might just be the kind of thing where he's like, mm. okay, I'm just going to kind of let the host take over automatically. But the way Chapman's body sagged and it seemed like he didn't have practice controlling himself, like that seems different than this take on it. Well, yeah, I think that's because it's such a non-voluntary situation. I mean, even though Chapman's host is like, okay, I'll, I'll shut up just to save my daughter. Like, I don't know. It seems like Mr. Tidwell and Ilum have a more like simpatico thing going on where maybe it's easier for him to slip in and out of control. Well, yeah, but that's the question. Like, can he slip out of control? Because it's implied that he can't. But in, in retrospect, the thing with Chapman doesn't really make sense because Chapman gets control of his body back every three days, right? <laughs> so. so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I think, I wonder if maybe that's the thing in book two, it just you know, it's like the thought speak in book one is just a little bit inconsistent with yeah. where they decide to go later in the series. Mm-hmm. Or if it's we're reading too much and like it is possible for the. But, I mean, Cassie's grappling with York instincts for the first time. So instinctually, she probably controls everything and oh, it would take effort true. for her to let him take over. That's so, like, true. maybe, maybe with not experience, she experienced could it out. enough to be able to let the host do stuff. That actually, that, that makes sense. Which, by the way, can I just say, is why she should have been the here. In yeah, the that doesn't make back. any sense, actually. When you, you point that out, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't actually understand also would have been much less invasive (laughs) also would have been so boring and then i sloshed around in the ziploc bag as a yerk i think it was really cool to well not cool but it was interesting to hear the idea that the joy that the yerk felt in taking over tidwell was instinct was instinctual it wasn't just like because i always assumed like okay yerks are brainwashed into being evil (laughs) or like they're just raised that way you know nature versus nurture blah 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 but she says um the joy cassie describes blah blah blah, is described as visceral non-conscious non-intellectual animal pleasure Mm -hmm. so it's like the yerk defect instinct is to want to control yeah although also when cassie went into the yerk pool she's like ah i'm home this is so great i was like why can't you just live there swimming no but i think i no no, i'm really glad you brought this up because i was thinking about that too it's like the fact that oh well so we should talk about like cassie kind of frames this whole thing as like the yurks have to choose between being free and being slavers mm-hmm. like you know or the, the opposite they have to choose between yeah. being free and being, not enslaving people right they, like, yeah they have to choose between right their freedom only comes at the cost of someone else's right yeah. which is like i think i think super ableist come on very ableist and is complicated by her experience being a yurk because yeah. like emily was saying right it's it's all about like the pleasure, the visceral pleasure of senses, and not just other people's senses, but their own senses. Returning uh-huh. to the Yurk pool, it's yeah. like, ooh, I love feeling stuff, right? And mm-hmm. so to me, it's like, it's I, I get the idea of like the novelty of this sensory experience and wanting to experience it again. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense that a parasite would get off on the senses of another creature so much, mm-hmm. right? So it, it makes sense that like point of view of it's so, it feels so good to be doing this in a really visceral way, mm-hmm. making it so hard to think about the other person. Yeah, but also, so the line is, if a yerk wants to be free, it has to make another living creature a slave. But they know that that's not true. 
in the sense of they can be free in the yerk pool or they can use the morphing cube? They can or... be free in the yerk pool. They can use the morphing cube. They can find a symbiote. Like, ca- <laughs> they've met the escort. Yeah, they haven't This said is not about accurate. That. And to use it as a blanket statement to, that allows the yerks to do this, like, mm-hmm. Cassie's nuances here are, are incorrect. Mm. Like she is, she is the way that Cassie is portrayed is bringing this like incredibly nuanced view of like how nice it is that some of the Yerks are kind or whatever, but it's not true. Like it's it, her nuances. She knows they're inaccurate, right? Mm-hmm. This is not the only way that they can do this. The the whole thing about you know I risked all these lives on a pathetic little wish, but like we're supposed to be sympathetic to that. Like I I found this very frustrating. Wait wait wait, say more about that. What do you mean? Because I I think Cassie's like that's too much negative self talk. She shouldn't be down on herself for what she did. She but... should be down on herself for what she did. So she you're made... against her decision in 19. I think she made an incredibly poor decision in 19. Oh, I think she interesting. Put... I feel like that's not where we landed in the 19 episode. It, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> but I still feel very strongly yeah, that it, huh. it that that's that that is accurate. That she she risked herself. She risked the animorphs. She risked Aftran. She she's risking everything on a decision that she had no way of knowing would go even half as well as it did. Mm-hmm. And she got incredibly lucky that it turned out the way it did. We talked in that episode about you catastrophe, right? Mm-hmm. That but really that's just lucky, right? In that particular instance, she found your Cassie and it all worked I out. I mean, okay, she right? had met, she had spent a lot of time with Aftran by the time she made the decision, but you're right that she got very lucky that Aftran followed through And what through we with that. said at the time, too, was that like, okay, now Aftran's going to go live in the pool, but if that ever changes, they're screwed. And hey, it changed and they're screwed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it is incredibly improbable that all of this worked out well and I'm so glad it, that it did. But like, it was such a bad decision that she did that. And it's nice that it turned out, but having this wish that Aftran and I could make the first step toward peace between Yerks and humans was incredibly improbable. And I'm glad that it worked out, but it was still a really bad decision. And I think that she doesn't have enough negative self-talk about it. I mean, she does, <laughs> she's 13. She made the best decision she could. And we love Cassie. And of course, she's like, doing good things but like it's still really bad decision wait okay i want to make a counter argument okay which is <laughs> please do so we see we we meet ilm a member of this new thing the yerk peace movement yes which aftran started right yeah. and has hundreds of members sure. and the important thing i think about ilm compared to aftran is he's not another yerk cassie right mm-hmm. he's the kind of yerk mm-hmm. who he was into he was into being a yerk he maybe had some qualms about it mm-hmm. but it took the like getting to know mr tidwell and aftran presenting him with this other way of being this mm-hmm. like third path like you can join the yerk peace movement right in order for ilm to be able to live another way, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not just, like, I think it's a little too narrow-minded to say, okay, well, Cassie created a liability in Aftran, and Mm -hmm. now that's, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost, and they have to go on the suicidal mission to the Yerk Pool. Because it's also, Cassie created this huge opportunity in Aftran, and we can see at the same time, it's paying off, and the fact that she did that allowed Ilem to reach out to the Animorphs and set this whole thing up, right? And so the longer longer this goes on with Without them losing, the better the consequences of Cassie's choice, right? And it's one of it's a very like high risk, high rewards choice. And I mean, she knows it was improbable. I think it's one of those cases where I was thinking about this with Axe and her putting Aftran in his head, where like it can both be really great and really terrible at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was a really great decision. She was taking a risk based on this like little hope, and it was the only way that this kind of thing could have gotten started, like this tiny seed of good 
good has really blossomed. And it also was a really dumb and dangerous decision, and it's just not straightforward. It's it's not, but I think I want to take some of the credit away from her, because I do think that we kind of landed on, like, yay, Cassie! And now, now that we see some of those, some of the consequences of that action, I guess, it, I think you're right that it was a high-risk, high-reward, but I think that we have been as a team, focused on the high reward part of it. <laughs> and I just want to emphasize again that the risks were very great and it's nice that it all worked out, but also it was yes. a very dumb decision. Also, I do like that, so Cassie is so hard, hard on herself all the time. I cannot agree with you that she needs to be hard on herself. <laughs> but the thing that I love about this is she's like this small pathetic hope and she's like, but it, like, it wasn't actually a great decision. I was just a coward. I was too afraid mm. to kill another person, right? Mm-hmm. So she doesn't think of it as an awesome choice. She thinks I'm a coward and I got lucky, right? Which is like, I don't know that that came through that much in 19 or whatever, but that is kind of the other mm-hmm, way yeah. you could look at it, yeah. right? And she um, takes such full responsibility. Rachel says something cutting about like, yeah, and why are we in this situation? And Cassie's right. like, it's because of me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I did it. Oh, yeah. Wait, can we talk yeah. about that Rachel moment for a second? Yeah. Because like, that is the limit of Rachel's like love for Cassie, right? <laughs> she like is ready to turn on her. Yeah, uh, it's probably a trap, but we still have to go, Rachel said, because if Tidwell or Ilum or whoever is telling the truth, we're dead meat. Aftran will crack when the Visser interrogates her, and she knows everything about us. Everything. Right, Cassie? She said acidly, looking angrily at me. I think maybe Rachel's hard line is... She's so loyal, and her hard line is lack of loyalty in other people, and she sees this as Cassie betraying them. Yeah. To save the life of a person I didn't even know, I risked the lives of all my friends. Yeah, is what Cassie says, and, and I Rachel think that's would never do that. Yeah, that's what Rachel's saying. Yeah, yeah. Neither, neither would Marco, mm-hmm. and probably Jake wouldn't either. Jake would sort of lie to himself about it and then kill the other person. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe like not describe the killing and be like, and who knows, maybe something <laughs> happened to them. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, really yes. a specific well, example that was Well, actually, I wonder, though, do we think that Rachel in book 29 would have made a different choice than Rachel in book 19? Is this a different Rachel we're seeing? Whoa. Or is it just that in the heat of the moment, she's angry at Cassie? Like, she wouldn't have... The decision she made at the end with, like, bringing the caterpillar, like, do you think now she would have killed? Right, because she was saying, I can be loyal to Cassie. And here, she's she's not being loyal to Cassie. She's saying, Cassie, you screwed up. But she sort of said that in 19 also. Yeah. And then at the end, that's not, yeah. not being loyal, right? Yeah. She still would she still would like to protect Cassie and, like, wants to, to take care of her, even if she thinks she made a bad decision. Yeah, I, it is an interesting question. Like, has she delved deeper into violence? I mean, 22 is a rough book for her. Like, would she be more willing to kill Karen at this point? And she's thinking more actively about the role of violence in her life. And I feel like that might give her pause, might make her feel like, well, this is who I am. I better kill Karen. I don't know. We don't really have an answer for that. In that moment, too, like, she just seemed very... Did they use the word acid to describe the way she talked? Acidly. Yeah, like, to me, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, uh, like she's, like, turning her back on Cassie there. Acidly sounds kind of like she's just really pissed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like... Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Heat of the moment. I don't know. Also, that whole eels scene was just very, like, heat of the moment. Everyone was mad. Everyone was mad about what was going on. I don't know. Right. As Cassie says, stop bite everyone stop biting, including me. <laughs>
<laughs> didn't she say like Rachel sounded cold and like she didn't just mean like cold as in like she sounded mean. She sounded cold like she was physically yeah, cold. Yeah, that's right. And like that made her grumpy. I don't know. <laughs> Rachel, it does get grumpy. grumpy Rachel. <laughs> Can I say one quick thing about the eels moment? Actually, <laughs> sure. Uh, I think that the ghostwriters both care slightly less about animals than Applegate does, but also do a lot less research. Here's why I think that eels that are used for bait, they're American eels. Almost exclusively used for bait on the East Coast. Oh. That is not a West Coast thing. Yeah. And also the eels that are used for bait don't have teeth. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're surgically removed and they grew back now. <laughs> so like maybe. <laughs> Didn't do a ton of research on what kind of eels you're using. Just a thought. Oh, man. Did she have a rare eel bait connection? <laughs> that would okay. We'll see if only yeah. I had known. They just wanted to, they made Tobias go and fetch them and fly them back because okay. they thought it would be funny. This eel plan is terrible. <laughs> I love that. It's so bad. I love that Marco suggests oh. it and then he's proud of it and then he's like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. It's like a great inversion of Marco judging their plans. Yes. Uh-huh. And like nobody thought about what they'd do once they'd get there. No, not at all. And it was just like, we're going to get there. Then how are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to get her back out? Uh. And nobody tried to figure out like, will are eels strong enough to swim against the pressure like of like diverging water mains no and like being trapped inside a pipe as an eel like what a nightmare and they didn't have axe to keep track of time either that's Mm -hmm. really was giving me anxiety as tobias points out like and i i really liked that point because it is the kind of thing that wouldn't occur to you and then once it does you're like oh this is obvious like if you just follow the flowing water you will be fine unless it's coming out through a faucet you don't fit through or out through a fire hose what actually happens and is it was the, fine the worst possible scenario because all of a sudden there are five eels getting hurled through the air towards a burning oh, building it's so funny it's I the mean, funniest image it just, <laughs> i laughed so hard and i was Ugh. like this is so dumb so they they hurl through a burning building demorph into humans in the middle of a burning building and then fly out upstairs and then fly out like it i like how rachel also checks for people trapped in the fire as they're doing yeah. it she's like there's no one else up here okay we can go I didn't catch that. That's great. (laughs) It was great. Okay, I want to go back to Cassie's thing where if a yerk wants to be free, it has to enslave someone else. Mm -hmm. Because you're right that at this point, that's not quite as nuanced as the image we've gotten. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to explore the alternative we get here, which is someone like Tidwell, who is super sad and lonely, and it's like, okay, someone in my head, oh, no, we actually get along pretty well. Okay, maybe I like this. Mm. Do we feel like this is a viable yeah. potential, like, future for Yerkes? I mean, so the thing that jumped out to me about it is that at first I was kind of, like, skeeved out by the, like, forgiving your abuser type mm-hmm, mm-hmm. narrative that's going on here. Yep, yep. But... I think the most generous way you can read it is that this is the Yerks, what the Yerks are, enable a really powerful form of restorative justice where mm. Mr. Tidwell can feel the extent to which Ilum is remorseful and regrets his that own is actions true. There in is a way a that is not possible there. with yeah. actual people. Mm. So, like, I kind of buy that it's possible if you look at it that way. This might be one of those things where, like, if you extrapolate this to real-world situations, it's super messed up, um, but the sci-fi circumstances allow a less a less messed up version of it. Mm-hmm. Where, like, yes, they can actually read each other's minds, and so, yeah. Yeah, John asked me how our opinion of this might change if we knew for sure that Mr. Tidwell was black, yeah. like Cassie, because it's not something that we really talk about, but the idea that, you know, Ilum says he was an involuntary host, nope, that's too nice a way to say it, he was my host, my slave. 
would the discussion, how would the discussion be nuanced if we brought race into this? I mean, on the one hand, the Yerks don't have, don't come to the table with that concept. So like in world, I'm not sure that it matters. But of course, that would be a choice Mm -hmm. from the authors to present a black man as choosing to accept his enslaver, which would be much, much, much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting question. I hadn't thought about it myself. I'm going to assume that there's a reason they didn't specify him as black. Yeah. I mean... I, I just, I think it's, it is a nice way to say that the host and enslaver can, like, live together in harmony, and isn't that nice? But mm-hmm. it's also, Ilum says, it was partly experiencing Mr. Tidwell's distress that led me to join the movement. His howls of fury and agony forced mm-hmm. me to accept what I had done. Hearing the endless cries of another sentient creature, knowing you had caused its pain, how could that fail to have an effect? And then she talks about how the Yerks think of humans like meat. Mm-hmm. Which following on the after twenty eight, yeah, is quite interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a really nuanced look at this. I like the idea that Mr. Tidwell is now giving his permission. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think that's true. You I mean, think he, in I mean in world Cassie's read his mind and knows it's true, but I don't. I think he has accepted the situation mm-hmm. and is now okay with it. Mm-hmm. I do not think he can give permission. Interesting, because it's like already in place. He is he is already he was an involuntary controller. Mm-hmm. He could be an involuntary controller again. There is no way that like he can't. He's now not he fighting. Power the dynamic Hork-Bajir. makes it impossible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like okay, he's not fighting against the Horkbajir who are holding his head down into the pool anymore. How nice for him, but like it's still not. He's probably pretending to fight, giving his <laughs> right. Like, uh, but okay, so not necessarily specifically in this case with its origin story, but what about someone who consented to this from the outset and really understood? Like, do we f- think people would ever do that? Would people ever be okay with that? Would the idea of a partnership between a human and Europe, because you still have the inherent power dynamic Mm -hmm. and there would have to be some pretty stringent like external care taken if you wanted to set up a system where like humans and yurks live together like this to make sure that oh you're still voluntary okay you're still okay with this you don't want this yurk who can take complete control of you at any time to uh yeah i mean the whole yurk pool thing would have to be a very different dynamic yeah right i mean i don't want to spoil anything but i think we get how many other human controller relationships have we heard specifically of? Because I, Jeremy, what's his name? Jeremy, Jason, whatever. <laughs> Jeremy, Jason, McCall. Yeah, he was going to be voluntary, but did we actually hear, we didn't hear like yeah, him and his I got the impression talking. that he probably regretted it. Like, okay. he knew what he was getting into, but then he it was like didn't a, really a bad surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and then Chapman, we know we've heard them sort of. It may come up again. It may come up again. Uh, but um, I mean, we've seen, you know, we know that Tom's really unhappy with it. We know that Marco's mom screams about it. We know that uh, Jara and Ket were not into it. And, you know, we've seen a lot right. of involuntary So hosts. I guess we have to imagine what kind of person would be into this idea. Right. And there are tons of, like, Cassie sees the voluntary controllers in the Yerk pool that yeah. are not part of the Yerk peace movement, right? So there are, there do That's exist people. That's a much people, darker side of it, though. Right, there do exist people yeah. who signed up and, like, have not regretted it. Are still it. okay with it, And yeah. maybe that's yeah. more like the Stockholm Syndrome type situation. Right. But. There was a very clear moral indictment of them. Oh, yeah. I was going to oh, say, yeah. too, not just victims or Stockholm Syndrome people, sufferers, but also, like, there are really bad humans in this world who would probably 
be on board with whatever they thought that the Yerk could do to help them. Right. Giving up freedom for yeah. whatever the Yerks are offering. And I'm sure that, I mean, humans are capable of an enormous amount of doublethink. And this idea that, well, I am okay with this. I've seen the light and I'm okay with this Yerk in my head. These other people who are crying just need to get it together. They just, like, if they accepted it, they would be fine. Like, I'm sure that, like, that's probably what they're telling themselves. Uh, but we don't get in any way a sympathetic version of those people. And we get, um, which is fine. <laughs> and Cassie infests one of them. Like, she, in order to get out of the Yerk pool, she infests this girl, woman, teenager, I think, who mm-hmm. is a voluntary host and learns that. And then... We don't know, like, we don't get told that she died, but after Cassie's back in the Yerk pool, the visitor's like, this creature has no Yerk. I don't know how he mm. could have known that without cutting her head open. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. He definitely did. Uh, so it's an interesting parallel that in 19, there's this little innocent girl who's an involuntary controller, and her cries convince Aftran to start the peace movement. Mm-hmm. And in 29, you get this teenage girl who's not innocent anymore, you know, and Mm -hmm. she is a voluntary controller. And so it's okay. Like we don't even need to touch on the thing where Cassie used her and put her in a position where she was going to get killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. And Cassie doesn't really reflect on it, which is alarming. Um, (laughs) She might not realize. And she's, I mean, she's super desperate and she's like, Oh, you know, the, the, the host is only going to get like basic commands from me. She's not going to be able to read my emotions, but we I don't think likely. that's true. Yeah, that's not I don't how, think that's true from what we've seen. It's not how it worked it with Jake and Tamarash, for sure. Certainly not with Visser 3 and uh, Aldrea, where she got mm. his entire like life's worth of memories in like an instant. Right. Mm-hmm. And like if it yeah. were true, that would be a very unethical weapon to use. But if you could just infest people as a yerk and they wouldn't know who you were, that would be you know, great for the animals for in, spying on stuff. It would, Oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, they would never do that. They would be Yerks. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> she does it here. If that's she does how, it, here. If that's that's how it worked, you know? That's why, thank goodness, it was a voluntary host that she took over. But Cassie might just be wrong about that, and then the girl dies, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She also has a moment at the beginning where she's talking again about the one Hortbegier whose death she mourns. And that also seems... Okay, that is a really harsh way of putting it. That is a vivid example of a time when she killed a Horkbegir, which she does all the time. We don't know that that's the only time she cares no, right. about okay. it. I actually... I, no, great. Great. <laughs> We're being hard on you. You're totally right. You're totally right. <laughs> I think I'm going to defend it on a... It's a middle grade book level, which yeah, is... Yeah, yeah. I try not to do this. I know, I know. But it's like, this is... As mu- as close to a sequel as we can get, yeah, right. But like, they still have to work their way from the ground up. They can't assume that you come in with all of the nuance of the other thing. So like, they simplify, yeah. and that makes it feel like it's not it's no, not no. enough. You know, it's like, true. And I do think they're working super hard in this book to set up a plot that does certain things, like that lets Cassie experience being a yerk, and it is not entirely narratively justified. They're they're fudging things a little bit. Yeah. And stuff like saying a yerk can only be free when it takes another creature as a slave is, again, that simplification. It wants to present the Stark mm-hmm. idea, even though it narratively hasn't, like, buttressed it enough. Because mm-hmm. you said experience being a yerk. I would argue this is the grossest morph so far. <laughs> it's so oh. gross. It's so gross. <laughs> Jenny, what did you think? 
Okay, no, the the moment that creeped me out in this book was the thing where Cassie cuts through Axe's skin and the blade scrapes against his skull bone. That was when I was creeped out. Right, Not when her her <laughs> mouth fills with mucus, with mucus and then seals over. Like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty gross. I don't oh, know. The mucus oh thickened into a goo like half-set jello. <laughs> I gagged as the mucus swelled in my mouth. The te- my teeth began to dissolve as if the mucus was an acid. My lips <laughs> melted together, closing my mouth on vanishing teeth and swelling goo. Oof. That was pretty bad. And she I stayed like giant sort of the able whole time. To detach. She, she shrink. falls onto she the ground. She shrink until the end. <laughs> She's a giant slug with fully human eyes. Ah. <laughs> and Tidwell is screaming, but she can't hear it. Oh, yeah, I love Mr. Tidwell's like, I think I can handle it. <laughs> he cannot. <laughs> Neither could I. This is the the most disgusting thing that has ever happened. Yes. <laughs> a wave of nausea rolled through me as the cold, thick mucus hit my stomach and intestines. I felt them shrivel up and disappear. The mucus wrapped itself around my heart, and my heart withered and stopped beating. The cold slime turned my bones to ice, and then they shattered into a million pieces. What is a zillion pieces? What does that mean? It's so gross. <laughs> that part is cool. I'm just not that bothered. I'm sorry. I recognize that it is gross. It's just I because my my android body doesn't have the right nerve endings. You would like to have bones. You would know. Well, the thing is that what I thought was really interesting was that was actually the mucus thing. Also happens when they morph into the eel. Mm. So the eel morph is a really nice um, preview of what the eel is going to be like, which I thought was really interesting. So um, in the eel morph, they just get flat. Gross! It's really gross. They just just get flat. Like so icky. Her eyes like roll around on her face, and then she gets really flat. It's yeah, so gross. <laughs> Rachel's blonde hair hair got sucked into her head like a whole bunch of spaghetti into a very hungry mouth. But then there was this whole thing about uh, the oily, slippery goop drenched me, oozing from my own body. It was just like a really interesting like. Oh, that's pretty gross. And then she morphs into a yerk, and I was like, Oh no, that's pretty gross. I was incorrect before. That was fine. The eel was fine. The yerk. There's yeah. something wrong with me. I apologize for Emily, it. Emily, you're right. No, it's you the don't grossest morph so far. <laughs> Honestly, like I kind of skip a lot of the morphing. Not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily because it's gross, but like because I'm like, okay, la 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 la. Yeah, you want to get on to the story. Yeah. yeah. And can we also just talk about the sound effects of the Yerk swimming? Scrunch thrust. Scrunch thrust. Scrunch thrust. Who else like Imagine doing it. It's like a, a workout video. <laughs> no, I was actually doing the same thing when I was yeah, doing it. Yeah, like it's I just thought evocative. that was so funny. Like I was just imagining like like fat, squishy slug. Uh, that was funny. Okay, can the Yerk see? Because she does a thing where she like echolocates or whatever, and then she's like, "There's Aftran in the cage," and then she morphs to human in the Yerk pool, and is like, "No one will notice." <laughs> there yeah. are a few fudge logistics in this. And how can you aim your poop? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Is that a thing no, that birds can do? it's not a thing. I don't know. I've, I feel like birds are aiming for me sometimes. <laughs> this is hilarious. So the, the hunter robot is after her, 
Which, by the way, she's being shot at by, like, all of the controllers Which in the is wonderfully pool. lampshade. When Visitor 3 is like, can't you idiots hit anything? Can't you like, hit nope, anything? Nope, can. One of my favorite sci-fi tropes is that <laughs> the bad guys are not able to ever hit anything. And yeah, I love yeah. it so yeah. much. And this was another one of those. And then there's a hunter robot. And she says, I knew the hunter robot only had one weak spot. It's visual aiming system. And then... Very euphemistically, she just says, a gray-white blob fell. <laughs> you know, after Blood. she aims, yeah. And it, it hit, hits the lens. The bird poop bullseye. So Very there are funny. two things about this. One, did she morph and then have poop, like bird poop inside of her? Ready, <laughs> she morphed? What ready to go. <laughs> and, oh, no. Like, do you think, like, you know, like, human feces converted to bird feces? Uh, <laughs> like, is that how it works? No, but, like... That doesn't work because the molecules in your body I think get it's replaced. just, like, what if you acquired someone when they really had to go? Every time you use the morph. <laughs> but that's not encoded it's in the DNA. DNA. <laughs> but neither is age, so it's neither all very confusing. Food. So the other thing, and I didn't do my... I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't look this up, but someone commented way long time ago, I think on our site, that birds actually do not have a sphincter muscle and cannot control their pooping. So this is completely implausible, unfortunately, because it was really awesome of her. I just think it's funny how they go out of their way to not have one of the teens say, I pooped on a robot. (laughs) No. Cassie's too sweet to say that. Yeah, because Marco was like, poop him in book 28. We finally get to and she does say a bird poop bullseye. Yeah, so um, they were just being coy about it. So they yeah, Marco had a delightful speech about vomit. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, that was, was real enjoyable. Gross. I loved that. You know, I didn't know any of those euphemisms for vomit when I read this. And How so many that did you employ? Exciting. Really, I wasn't that type of child. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered this scene, like when when I got to it, I was like, I remember this from my youth. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is where I learned them all. <laughs> it was from this part. It was very funny. It's pretty delightful. Do we want to actually mm-hmm. read that, or do we want to talk about... I want to talk about Axe being infested. Great, let's talk about Axe. <laughs> what, should we just leave our listeners in suspense about the vomit euphemisms? You guys, there's a bunch of vomit They'll have to do it themselves. Yes. Submit your own. We'll collect the best ones. <laughs> so, why do Andalites have an appendix in their brains? <laughs> Terrible planning. It's... You guys, okay, can I just... A couple of immunology things I have learned Amazing. from living with a virologist. Oh, Okay. Fevers do not go down when you are still infected. The fever is your body's way of dealing with the infection. If Axe still is being infected by this bacteria or virus, he still has a fever. That is how bodies work. If you have a single gland in your body, like our immune systems, (laughs) that attacks a virus or a bacteria that is invading your system, and then you remove that gland, the next time you get the flu, you die! (laughs) <laughs> that is that is how gland like th- this is like it's not like removing your appendix this is like removing your entire lymphatic system okay but wait, these are it? aliens so everything is just different wait wait did we learn that the tree gland has a purpose <laughs> yes. it collects disease organisms it collects the disease but organisms we don't know that that's like their primary oh or only way that they collect so disease right, organisms I, I did not think about this closely enough dumbest I mean I like <laughs> But also, if you have the potential to get a disease, 
Yes. Where, where the heck did Axe catch this disease? It's a different question. But if you have the potential to get a disease that will make you die after a few days if you don't get brain surgery, why don't all Andalite children just get routinely their tria glands taken out? The tria gland keeps disease organisms away from the rest of the body. It, it's just it's just Why is it in the system. brain? Like, it's a terrible location. It's Maybe Andalite evolution is just bad, and sometimes they maybe it is just an appendix in your brain. But mm-hmm. it sounds like what it is is this is their you know bone marrow that's fighting the have to diseases. There's another way they have of fighting diseases. I'm because, so worried like, about Max. <laughs> he's going to get all these diseases. <laughs> the now. next time he gets the flu, he's going to die. Well, no, 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 he, can he morph lives and demorph. on. Uh, yeah, it's just this disease that follows you through morphs for some reason. Because it's a it's a brain it's a brain disease. Oh, so they have the brain flu? How did if they if there's then why a, are they vomiting? If there is a flu that Axe got that only attacks Andalite brains, how did the other animals get it? I don't understand. Well, it's because they have the morphing power, so they have a little bit of Andalite somehow. <laughs> right, because it's it a, attacks it's your morphing power. <laughs> It's a blood disease because that's where (laughs) the DNA lives. It's just floating in the blood. It's the little capsules that the DNA lives in. (laughs) This disease makes no sense. It doesn't. It makes no sense at all, but I love it so much. Z-space. Great. (laughs) It's Z flu. Why did he get it? Where did he get it? How did he get it? There's a Z influence. I don't understand. Well, maybe maybe it's answered. I had a question when they were saying that the visor is not there. He is uh, what did they call it? He's a had a re-in- reinduction, a reinduction like, seminar. That's BS. Maybe he got sick and had oh. to be rein- right. Yeah. Don't give and had them to ideas. have like a surgery, and they just made up something. You know, right? Because reinduction definitely doesn't mean anything. Like, also, what yeah. on earth does that mean? <laughs> I was thinking it was like like a seminar for all the viscers to come like learn about more re- <laughs> reinduction techniques. I was like, what does that look like? Are they just on a blade ship, like, in a conference room sitting on the table? That's what I was also imagining. Like a workshop Only theater. one living viscer would come out of that room. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like so when funny. the governor or whoever, oh, yeah. that guy earlier was, like, having a surgery... Hemorrhoids. Yeah, hemorrhoids. Yeah, Yeah, the viscer didn't want anyone to know about his brain surgery because they would all come sabotage it. So he's at a reinduction seminar. Can you imagine the viscer morphing uncontrollably? He has so many monsters. Ew. (laughs) Does this mean, if it's a disease that affects more capable people, Mm -hmm. does this mean that uh, David got the flu? And so did after him. Well, the flu had passed by the time. Sure, it had. Sure. <laughs> well, Cassie didn't get it magically. She, yeah, right, right, right. she does wash her hands a lot in this book. Yeah. I, it's because she and Jake haven't kissed again, and everyone ah. else has been kissing each other, including Axe, who has no mouth. Okay, so Axe being sick. What do we think about the whole infesting Axe against his will thing? I I feel like it was the right thing to do, and it's also terrible. Like, just, they have to do a lot of things that are terrible. No in good books. choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been the wrong choice to let him die, like, when there was a way to save him. I have a question. Yeah. Why didn't Aftran go in, tell her where the gland was, and get out? Did she have to stay in there for the surgery? Once Cassie has d- drilled the hole into the base of his skull and sees the gland and is taking it out, why is Aftran still hanging out? That's a good get point. Get out. I think, like, in case she sees anything going wrong. I think it would have, like, she, she was, no, would have she's helping. Cowardly. She's keeping his heart she rate. She was controlling his heart rate, too. Oh, she's heart rate. Fine. Yep. She was being brave by staying in him, even though if he dies, she probably would die, too. Yeah, she's going to die anyway. That's also, true. after it has a moment where, so Axe comes to, realizes there's a yerk in his brain, 
freaks out very reasonably. Mm-hmm. And Aftron, like, gets kind of hurt about that. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I no, know. she's great in that moment. Cassie's like, oh, he doesn't understand. And Aftron's like, yes, he does. Yes, yes yeah. he does. And I'm it's a good moment. But also, of course he's freaking out. Maybe, yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, I was I was pretty like I was pretty uncomfortable by the way Cassie dismisses Axe in that moment. Yeah, but they later say we're going to let Aftran be a whale nothlet, and they say we voted unanimously the next Aww. day. So like to me oh, that means that Axe had come around. Right. He processed it enough. Yeah, um, that's a good point. It doesn't necessarily make it okay, but and it said in the book that that was Jake's idea. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. And then it was so it was Cassie's idea to trap David, right? Yeah, yes. but that was against his will. And then it was Jake's <laughs> idea. It was Jake's idea here to, to go back to that and solution. to use it as a way to free someone, which I love. Can we talk about how nice the I ending loved, was? Frey, did your heart warm? Yeah, just a I, got yeah. I got emotional. I got emotional. I got to, there were a couple lines here that I got to and was like, oh, I remember this. So first of all. Cassie, after the surgery, is like, okay, what do we do about Aftran? And she lets Aftran into her head, which is, you know, she's done it before, but still that's, like, extreme exposure and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of does it without thinking, which I thought was just, like, very wonderful and embracing vulnerability of her. And then, I don't know how I feel about this, but she's like, Aftran, you can stay in my head. I know. She's just like, oh, you can stay in me. The fact that she was willing to go there, even for a second, was like, whoa. Why do you like this Yerk so much? I don't know. <laughs> See, you're Cassie. Yeah. Then Aftran has the, the line. Aftran's like, you you need to kill me. And Cassie's like, no, no, we can find a solution. She's like, no, no, I'm going to die of Kindrona rays. And then she says, it's not so bad to die for what you believe in. There are much worse deaths, she said gently. Many worse oh. deaths. And I got to that line. I was like, oh, I remember this line. Oh. And also the end where... Jake is like, Cassie's like, sometimes we win one. And Jake's like, yeah, but this time, Cassie, you won one. And I was like, yes, she did. All by herself, apparently. Grace giving me a look, but also it was wonderful. No, it is wonderful. (laughs) And the the humpback whale scene I really like. So Aftran gets the power to morph on the condition that she chooses one morph and stays in it forever. Which was interesting in its own right. Yes, it is. Uh, And I have thought about that. But real fast. So she decides to stay as a humpback whale. Like, it's a very, very sweet scene. What a great morph to choose. Hey, um. She's a great one now. If you have yerks (laughs) and what they really want is to experience the world Uh and to be able to be in a new body. Mm -hmm. And you take a yerk and give it the power to morph. And then make it stay in that body for two hours. <laughs> oh, wait, okay. excuse and me. How do, you, how do you do the part where you make it stay? And then find all of the endangered species and make it stay. <laughs> I have new endangered species for you. Excuse me, Gray. Yes. Uh, which species invented the morphing power? Yeah, and which species is currently at war with the Yerks? Yeah, all right. I mean, and, and which species has not had this idea, apparently? <laughs> I mean, I okay. just, I, You're yeah, right. You're totally right. Point. I'm just saying... <laughs> There's one more humpback whale in the world, and it's Aftran, and that's so great. Just, what's wrong with Ciro? Come on. <laughs> why, why can, he's supposed to be some smart scientist. Why couldn't he have thought of this from yes, day one? Like, do, guys, okay. we have a solution for your problem. I, it would have been a good solution back then. At this point, it's a pretty difficult solution to implement because if yes. you get a yerk and you give it the ability to morph, either you're not going to trust it rightly and yeah. it will go off and become a morph-capable warrior. Absolutely. Or you're going to have to do what they did with David where you force it into a body that it maybe didn't choose. No, no, it's a good point. Yeah. Okay. I just think that maybe Ciro could have come up with a morph cube that just turns you into an animal once and then it's <laughs> done. But presumably, you're telling me that would have technology. Been, yeah. Let's get Escafil here. Right, right, right. For everyone who's Ever not, it'd it. be a good option for 
um, other ilims who don't yeah, have mm-hmm. a voluntary yeah, host, yeah. right? <laughs> the other thing I was thinking is that if you do the thing where you like liberate a whole jacuzzi of yurks and uh-huh. you're like, okay, we're going to now give you the choice of like <laughs> dying of starvation or getting this power and then getting stuck as an animal. It's like, what animal can you realistically stick them as? Because even if you turn them all into rats, like a rat could scrape out into the dirt like <laughs> they, they are just teens, right? So... <laughs> I'm not sure it's quite like a catch-all solution. Yeah, it's not quite. There's also, someone brought up an interesting point. I keep citing our commenters and not remembering which commenter it was, which is terrible. I'm sorry, commenters. We love you. And we're going to do a mailbag episode real soon. Someone brought up the possibility that, like, maybe a yerk needs another mind to live alongside of. Mm -hmm. Or, like, possibly living alone in your head is, like, not a thing that a yerk wants. And Mm -hmm. that's why, like, a robot body wouldn't be a good idea. We talked about with the escort. Oh, okay. That's right. That would do the escort have their own minds and maybe yeah, they need unclear. to okay but that's it that's really interesting but in this one after it seems fine, instinctually yeah. cassie is like i love having new body sensations but she's not like i love True. having Good mr point. tidwell <laughs> <laughs> that would just be an awkward student teacher relationship okay wait <laughs> already gonna be an awkward student teacher relationship wait can we talk about this yes. so she she won't morph a human, another human, right? uh-huh. but she will infest one with his permission. And she she's like, it. she's like, oh God, I'm accessing his memories and I can't stop. Just like, how traumatizing is this? It, Think about how many times she has seen Mr. Tidwell masturbating, <gasps> right? Ew! Ted! No, Ted, no! Exactly. And having sex no. with his wife and all of the times that he pooped. I mean, the, it's so much more invasive than morphing somebody without their permission because when you morph someone, you don't get their memories. She I did has, not think of this. Like, it is, it is so invasive. And I guess, yeah, sure, he tells her it's okay, but I don't think he thought this through either. Well, he's had a yerk in his head. He knows. Yeah. Emily, what were you going to say? I'm sorry, you got very excited. I was just going to say that this one little scene has stuck with me my whole life since I read it and has given me false relationship expectations. A Uh younger, thinner Mr. Tidwell in the same kitchen, but now sparkling, clean, and cheerful, standing next to his wife, (laughs) flicking soap suds at her. I was like, oh, one day I'm going to be washing dishes with my future honey, flicking soap suds at each other. Has never happened. Never and probably won't. But yeah, like that image, like I that stuck with remember me too. that. That stuck with me. And the image of him going to bed each night and placing his wife's picture on the opposite pillow. Yeah, oh, that God. was really sad. sad. And I feel it's like cutting. that, like when did that happen? Like, I feel it was like last that night, she said. Yeah. Going to bed last yeah, oh, wait, night. So uh, yeah, last night. Don't do so this every yerk, night. Yeah, so the yerk is involved in that too, which is interesting. That's kind of nice. Wait, I want to go back to the thing where they're like, okay, you can have the morphing power, but you have to stay, pick one body and then stay in it forever. Which, first of all, they could have just been like, you just have to stay it for two hours and then, you know, you don't have to promise anything after that. But is the implication that she could have kept morphing into different creatures and then not died of Candrona starvation because she could have eaten in other bodies? Huh. Because, like, what the heck is the alternative? If she doesn't stay in another body, she's just going to die after three days or yeah, after enough three days' worth of time in the yerk body or something. Right, right, right. Or maybe she would have figured out a way to sneak back into the yerk pool every three days, which that's a terrible idea. Right. Hmm. No, I, she probably would have died from starvation. I think also she didn't really want to. Like, I think that yeah. she was either, like, done with everything and willing to die. Yeah. Or, like, oh, 
sure, I'll be a whale. Like, well, that is that's an interesting point, also, because like she was willing to choose this at the point where she was like, well, I I'm willing to die. I gave my life for this, mm-hmm. and so she's willing to accept this body that is not hers permanently. But we've seen how difficult that is for Tobias, and like you know, people get pretty attached to their bodies, right. and it's not necessarily a great solution to be like, well, you just have to have a different body. Well, and she's and she's in a yerk brain in a whale body, mm-hmm. which must be kind of difficult. But also, she never gets to be amongst her brothers and sisters in the Yeah, she's school. completely isolated. She's around other whales who seem to be pretty intelligent, but they're not intelligent in a yerk way. Yeah. At least she's like swimming like That's a pool. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's probably relatively, like, one of the closer options to what she's used to, but... Mm-hmm. She's not a rat. That is not true. <laughs> it is much better. <laughs> and she chose it, so, yeah. it's, you know... Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, <laughs> I'm just waiting for, like, Cassie's, like, going down to the beach. She's, like, arranged with Aftran that they, they'll meet up every once in a while. And Aftran comes by and is like, hey, Cassie, I have heard this, like, voice, like, screaming about stuff, <laughs> like, ranting and raving. Do you, do you guys know anything about that? And Cassie's like, uh, we should nope. never speak of this again. <laughs> Cassie's like, you remember when I made a really, like, stupid, risky decision to, like, trust you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't always make those decisions. Sometimes, Sometimes I make the opposite decision. Totally. Also, uh, David's probably dead by now. David's I mean, dead. How yeah. long, <laughs> long can <laughs> a rat survive? <laughs> rats live like three years. He's probably still alive. Oh, God. He's been eating That's worse. <laughs> For Tobias? Maybe. Oh, no. I mean, he's Tobias not a very that. good rat, yeah. right? If he's ranting and raving on the middle of the island. He scares the birds away. Should we um, talk about the shipping moments? Few and far between, but there were some good yeah, ones. Yeah, there were some good Rachel Tobias ones where a lot. Uh, Cassie, like, Cassie knows what's up. Or, Ra- well, yeah, Ra- so Rachel's gotten sick and Tobias is like, I should go check on the others. And Cassie's like, he wanted to check on Rachel. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like, you understand. Uh, but yes, we haven't even talked about the dance. Oh, the dance. <laughs> Rachel and Tobias flirt so hard, and then they don't even get to dance alone together. It's such a bummer. And this other girl. Oh, no. Allison. I love that her one character trait is flopping her red hair to the side. <laughs> she does it like three she, times. It's amazing. Yes. She's not kindly treated by this book. I can see it, though. So she comes up to Axe, who, as we know, is disturbingly attractive. <laughs> yeah. uh, but... Marco has thankfully seeded, you know, Axe's short-term memory with a phrase that will be his undoing here. Because he d- Marco obviously doesn't want Axe to dance with any girls. No. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Axe is open to the idea of dancing with Allison, but he says to her, but you cannot have my body. And she's like, oh. But yes, so Cassie and Jake finally get to dance. And Cassie is enjoying it and is also really, she's like, I gave a little twirl of happiness. Is it horrible to admit that I hoped everyone was watching, especially Aww. Allison? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah, Even where she, they overhear to, Allison yep. wanting to ask Jake to the dance. And, and Rachel's then, like, no, no, he's with Cassie. And they look at Cassie and Cassie's like, sometimes I burp poop in my jeans and I'm really self-conscious about it. <laughs> and they're like, well, why are you over here and not way over there with oh, them? There. And mm-hmm. Rachel's like, you know what? Good point. What? We're going all over there. Way over there. Come on, Cassie. Yeah, and then Rachel facilitates it. She puts Cassie's, like, cup in front next to the seat next to Jake so that Cassie will sit next to him. She's like, we're all going to the dance. (laughs) (laughs) You two are going together. And Jake's like, okay. (laughs) I feel like there's some of this is frustration with 
Jake and Cassie, because she's like, you and my cousin make me sick. Why don't you just get, you know? Jake can face death every day, but he can't manage to ask a girl to a dance, and you're no better. Also, okay, Jake and Cassie have not kissed in the weeks since book 26. No. And I love how Cassie's like, we haven't kissed since then, but I wouldn't mind if it happened again. <laughs> Shows an agency. Kiss that boy. Yeah. Kiss that boy. Kiss the boy. But I bet a lot of this is she wants to go to the dance with Tobias. Mm -hmm. And she's frustrated that they aren't in a normal teen relationship. And she's, you know, projecting some of her frustration onto them. But she does get to go to the dance with Tobias. And they joke about... Yeah, Emily, do you want to read it? Axeman, someone is checking you out, Marco said. I wasn't surprised that Axe is getting some attention. His human morph is cute. More pretty than cute, really. No way. She's looking at me, Tobias said. He shot a quick look at Rachel to see how she liked the idea of another girl giving him the eye. Uh-huh. Maybe after the dance you could take her back to your tree, Rachel said, <laughs> batting her eyes at Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias laughed. Hey, the chicks go wild for the feathers, baby. He laughed again. Sorry, Axe had Austin Powers on his TV last night. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. And they're so out in the open with their, you know, relationship status now. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they? Yeah. Because, like, this isn't them talking about their relationship. This is them talking around their relationship. But they're flirting real hard. Well, yes, that's yeah. true. But sometimes people don't realize how obvious they are being. That is a good point. I mean, maybe. But uh, to me, it's like they clearly are talking about how... They're together and like it's like I don't know they're doing a they're doing a bit they're trying to make okay, each other jealous. Right. <laughs> That's how I read it. Yes, Rachel mm-hmm. is refusing to be made jealous by this. Yeah, it is very cute. I just also like the phrase when Marco says, uh, "It means that girl over there is warm for your form." <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so cringe, Marco. <laughs> okay, I also really love Marco is. The worst wingman, maybe deliberately. But Jake Jake asks Cassie to dance, and she says, I'm not very good. I dance like a lumberjack, Jake said. Oh, yeah. Like a lumberjack who's just chopped off one of his own legs, Marco interjected helpfully. Like a one-legged lumberjack whose remaining leg is a tree stump, and, <laughs> yeah, and then Jake cuts him off. so good. I really enjoyed Rachel's um, Desert Island game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Cassie, here's your choice. If you were on a desert island, who would you want to... Who would you want to be with you, Baby Spice or Marco? Rachel asked as we sat down at our usual lunch table. Huh? It's the Desert Island game. You pick two annoying people, then you have to choose which of them you'd rather be on a desert island with. And her choices were Baby Spice and Marco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait, but what, did, what was Cassie going to say? I think it she was She gets like, cut off. Marco's not, and I think it was going to be like, Marco's not annoying, but maybe she just couldn't bring herself to finish it. Yeah, and then Rachel grabs her by the arm. She says, hey, shush. So (laughs) I I think she was going to say that he's not annoying. Yeah, later Marco says, I just had a thought. Or just says, I'll buy you a card to commemorate the moment. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) It's great. So good. So good. Okay, so this is, I know this is one of the least supported chips in the text or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I love... Marco and Cassie have some great conversations in this uh-huh. moment where, like, you can yes. you can tell Marco is the most annoying animorph, for mm-hmm. sure, right? But we said before, Cassie kind of, like, lets it all breeze by so she can kind of manipulate him or whatever. But I also think it's just, like, she's actually a really good friend to him. And she mm-hmm. reflects on how, when he's going on and on about, like, the vomiting stuff, she just reflects on how, like, I don't really have to talk right now. Like, Marco's <laughs> kind of like, I can, I can trust him to be in charge in this conversation. Yeah. And then... Later, when, right before he gets sick, right, he's kind of doing this bit where he's like, five little monkeys jumping on the bed, Mm -hmm. and now there are only, like, three little monkeys left. 
he's he's doing this whole thing, and she's like, yeah, so you're pretty worried right now, huh? So she's able to just <laughs> cut through cut his through. annoyingness yep. and get yep. to his, like, deep inner emotional He's like, of course I'm scared. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, she also, like, pretty readily reaches out and touches him. I just want to point that out. I oh, reached out and pressed my wrist against his forehead. Oh. Kind of worn, kind of clammy. Like, she's got this maternal instinct. It's I guess nice. probably probably for everybody, but I don't know. I just think that they have... Ever since um, book nine, that was the first time oh, when I was yeah. young... When I was younger that I got that they kind of had this interesting relationship. That was when Marco said, like, oh, wolf man and wolf woman. <laughs> they were the two wolves. Yeah. And I was like, they're often paired together in these like high stakes situations yeah. and they work well together. And I don't know. Really I just think that's interesting. And I like that. It's too bad. They have similar taste in men. <laughs> Jake just gets in the way. It's true. <laughs> it could be no T3. Good point. <gasps> Isn't Another that... fanfic. We thing haven't we considered do. the O T three. We have not. Jake really doesn't seem interested in Marco. I'm, I'm yeah. all about the slash ships, but it just doesn't seem reciprocated. But maybe it will be someday. Hey, he'll come around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people always do, right? He yeah. needs to get a he needs to get a bimorph. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Cassie's maternal instinct, I really love the thing where she's like leaving Axe to suffer in his stall because they have to figure out this after thing, and she's like, "Bless your baby bones." Yeah. <laughs> and she's yes. like, "Whoa, that just popped out." That's what my mom says when I'm sick. It was just yeah. the cutest thing. Yeah. And then also the little brief moment between her dad when he was like, I know you were playing the horse game. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I know why you were in that stall. That you were was, pretending to be a horse. Sweet. Oh, yeah. I love that. That and was then cute. When she is leaving her mom oh, to like yeah. go off to her presumed death. And she's just like, um, bye. And like, I wish I could say more. And then just like runs out of the house yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah. And she's like remembering this great moment they all had at the gardens together, and it's like, I hope this isn't the last time I see them. And, then, and she must have to think that all the time. And then the the last people she thinks of in the Yerk pool before she oh, gets up the will yeah. to escape are her parents and yeah. not the other animorphs. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. There's some other good group stuff. I really liked them all complaining about being sick. Mm-hmm. Rachel's like, my mom didn't let me eat any solid food until today. Tobias is like, that's the worst thing that happened to you? I'm not even sure Cassie's dad is a real vet. He tried to stick a pill up, gets cut off by Marco. Thank you, Ted. In case uh, we didn't get it, thanks. Yeah, I was wondering where he tried to stick the pill all these years. Thank you. Um, Yeah, well, my dad bought me baby aspirin from the store. Baby aspirin, Marco growls. Like, for a baby. Yeah, you you are a baby. You're tiny. Whoa! (laughs) He's like four feet tall! <laughs> All right, it's fair, fair game, I guess. Yeah. Oh, like he qualified for the weight. <laughs> yeah, no, he probably still needs the children's aspirin. It's fair, yeah. Oh, boy. I also, in a more serious note, liked the reactions to after and at the end. They were just mm. very characteristic. Cassie's like, she must feel like she's in paradise. Can you imagine living in the ocean after the year pool? Rachel says, I bet she'll miss the fight, though. Mm. And then Jake says, mm. she's done her part. Which is, like, just very much their takes on the fight, where Jake is, like, getting weary and is like, I have to keep doing this, huh? And Rachel is a little addicted. Mm. And Tobias is explaining the science of what's happening. <laughs> Our friends moving out, heading for the deep ocean. Excellent. And narrating from the air, which is mm-hmm. his thing. So... There was uh, there weren't a lot of Tobias moments in here. There was the now I think it's been in every ghost written book so far. The moment where Tobias says "shut up" and Cassie thinks, which is not usually like Tobias. 
So hundred percent in order of those but things where they came in and edited it. It's usually not about it's usually about Jake. This no, but I'm just guys. saying it's yeah. the same thing where like right. they had an uncharacteristic reaction and then Cassie's like, that wasn't like yeah. Tobias. I totally interpreted mm. it as like, oh, this is Tobias showing his friendship for Axe. Because he's like, shut up. We just need to get Axe home. That's more important than anything else right now. Mm-hmm. And so he was acting out of character, but you might be right. I also, I just want to wonder about this. Tobias is the last Animorph standing other than Cassie, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to go check on Rachel. Mm-hmm. But then he comes flying back into the barn being like, I just realized I'm getting sick. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, is Tobias the only Animorph mature enough to realize that he's getting <laughs> sick and then come back to safety rather Good than point. just like press forward? Yeah. I feel like, and certainly Jake and Rachel in that situation would have just started flu morphing in the middle of the woods <laughs> and have to go be rescued. Cassie would have done it, I think. She would have been smart enough. To Maybe Cassie. Yeah. Yeah. Cassie. She understands Cassie medicine. Yeah. <laughs> Axe would not have done it. Axe would have gone on in his illness. Why was he even at the dance? Oh, he's one. Marco well, they're not going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what, well, that's what I want to know. Like, I mean, whose idea was it? Was like, I just have this image of Marco being like, we have to bring Axe to the dance. Like, that's going to be hilarious. And yes. I don't know. He doesn't even yet recognize yeah. his own ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He just wanted to see Axe shake that body. Body. <laughs> 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 Wow. 29 books in do you think marco's ever gonna realize it i think he will but he hasn't yet <laughs> okay i'm just i'm shooting in the dark here okay a couple of, like random things i really enjoyed when mr tidwell shows up in the cafeteria and is like we need to talk about the spanish club party <laughs> yeah i have a note done 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 <laughs> and i'm just imagining all the other kids being like what's going on at the spanish club party <laughs> it sounds intense no i actually not that club kudos to mr tidwell for um, he's standing next to Chapman uh, <gasps> oh, when right. Axe is like morphing and freaking mm-hmm. out, and his cover there. So he he must know that Axe is the Andalite, right? And mm-hmm. he, the lie that he uses is like, "Oh, don't worry, Chapman. I know this kid's parents. I'll handle mm-hmm. it." So it's like he's obviously been drinking. I'll just take him. Outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's disarming the idea. Like I know this kid. He has parents. It's not weird that you've never seen this yeah. kid before, Chapman. Right? Ooh, like good mm-hmm. point. Um, and mm-hmm. but I was wondering what. Ilum's role is in the sharing and like yeah. what kind of stuff he's doing if he he's Chapman buddy buddy must with have Chapman. this close connection from their jobs and yeah. like does Tidwell keep up the appearance that he is an involuntary controller every time he goes back to the Yerk pool or probably. I mean, probably or has he now decided like ones. oh I'm a voluntary controller like hmm. you know I changed my mind or something please don't put me back in the cage it's, right it's very interesting <laughs> I bet he would rather be in the cage because he'll get to know the other involuntary controllers mm. and that's probably a better avenue for finding potential recruits no i don't think tidwell can recruit people well he can get to know he can find out what the other involuntary controllers experience of their yurks are and find out if any of them are uncomfortable gotcha. with this and um, yeah, yeah. and then make contact so probably he's going to get more out of the those experiences Though I am very curious about, like, how does word pass about the, like, how did he find the Yerk Peace movement? Mm-hmm. It seemed like he'd heard of it. How did he make contact? Like, that seems like a really risky thing to do. Yeah. Anything else? Should we talk about some 90s stuff? There were some fun references. Baby Spice. And Oprah. Marco doesn't want to be in a desert island with Oprah because he's heard too much about her. That is the wrong <laughs> That's such Marco. a Marco thing to say. <laughs> Austin Powers. Oh. Full House. Yeah. No yeah. Wiley's on the ER. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Cassie's dreaming about ER. It was so funny. (laughs) 
she, her dad is on the table. She's like, shouldn't he be anesthetized? Noah Wiley's like, not for a yam foot operation, which is the name <laughs> of the disease, which saying aloud, I realize now sounds like yam foot, which is <laughs> ridiculous and amazing. Uh, yeah, what else? Okay, I have something, which is they should have... We've talked a lot about our yerk pyramid approach where someone morphs a oh, yerk, yeah, yeah, infests yeah. an anamorph, and morphs a yerk again. Mm-hmm. This was the perfect opportunity to employ that plan. <gasps> what they should so right. what they should have done is had Ilum infest Cassie, yep. who would then morph Ilum and then infest Mr. Tidwell. Yeah. And then they One, two, could three. do the same thing in the yerk pool, morph again into Aftran, and then have Aftran <gasps> escape. Right, so they could have so had, they would have had to Ilum, the Cassie, power and Aftran all in, yes, all in Mr. Tidwell's head. That's a brilliant plan! Right? That's and then they could have all just walked plan. out and demorphed in order. Wow. <sighs> but how would they have had Aftran morph to Mr. Tidwell? No, wait. Oh, no, you'd have to double you infest Cassie. Yeah, yeah, no, that no, no, wouldn't no. quite uh, work. You would have to... You could have left Mr. Tidwell in the pool. You could have left. You could have left Ilum, Ilum in the pool and uh-huh. had after it infest Cassie. Have Cassie morph Ilum and then yeah. escape in Mr. Tidwell. That and then have been left Ilum. He could come back on out of his own volition. He could just come back in three days. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. That is such a better plan. Yeah. Okay. Smart. I'm like sold. I, when, I did not remember whether and how they got out of the York pool because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It, it turns out that's why I don't remember it. Uh-huh. But it was the perfect chance for them to use the the York inception. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they finally wow. have a year more. Well, yeah. I'm sure they're not going to use it again, but... <laughs> Um, not I also love the thing I do love about Cassie escaping the York pool is once again normal people are awesome. There's mm. some person in a McDonald's yeah. who's like, "Oh, yeah. there's a bird, a bird holding a giant slug. I better open the door for it." Which is a nice contrast to like, here are these humans sitting and watching Full House while their fellow humans like scream in and cages. Also, to the woman who opens the freezer door and then tries to hit Cassie with her handbag, <laughs> their purse. Like some good, some bad. There was quite the description of Cassie going in through <clears throat> Mr. Tidwell's ear, and it was, I think it was Jeremy who asked, like, aren't there Ew. things in the way? Do they actually puncture the eardrum every time? She does. She does, but she anesthetizes it first. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Is, means that all of these people are deaf in one ear. Yeah. Like, that constantly, would be a right? way to the, find a controller. Piercing in and out of your eardrum every day. Um, John asked me, and I yeah. think this is brilliant, why they didn't just, don't just go up through the nose. <laughs> you made it worse, right? That would be uh, so much. Yeah. Because oh. does that connect directly? <laughs> yeah, it does. That's because they pulled the brain out through the nose. Yeah. Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they they're not slugs. They're boogers. Ears <laughs> are just booger monsters. I mean, they are basically made of mucus. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Maybe it's just been the ear because Why? the nose was too gross initially. Well, because for... andalites don't have noses, so they just they have noses. Uh, no. They have like the oh, yeah, like yeah, sort of flat, flat noses. Yeah. See, that would be better. Yes. Yes, it would be better. Oh, Jenny, I'm surprised you haven't brought this up on the podcast yet, which is we learned that Yorks can just survive in a Ziploc bag full of water. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so the Yorks should just be carrying other Yorks around all the time for yeah. like a quick and dirty infestation. Definitely. Well, it's like we talked all about these elaborate the plants, coffee cup right? thermos, right? Mm-hmm. Just have the yeah. thermos and slap them Also, the thing, this little detail, when he puts Ilum in a Ziploc, he keeps the Ziploc open a little bit when he puts it in that his pocket. That seems really impractical. Which is a really funny detail because like... It's like not see, how anything works. Someone's going to be like, Oh, hey, Mr. Tidwell, why do you have this wet stain on your pants? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you must be balancing that thing really carefully. But I guess it was like they need oxygen. Doesn't make Do sense. they? Do they? Because they're inside brains all the time. 
Can't they get oxygen out of the water? It, yeah, know. it's not that long a time. I don't know. I was like, that was a weird detail to be precise about because it also didn't make any sense. It could just be Mr. Tidwell, like, not knowing and I don't know. Maybe he's claustrophobic. Yeah. Like Rachel. I don't know. Aww. <laughs> Oh my god, a claustrophobic year. Well, because what if she... That'd be sad. Yeah. What if something happened to her and he just was never able to get out of the Ziploc? He couldn't open it from the inside. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh. All right. No, that's We're not really good We're feeling bad but... for this little Yerk. <laughs> hey, he's a good Yerk. Yeah, he's a good one. Oh. I think I have a couple more things. I'm curious, again, about, like, what is it like to actually have a Yerk in your head? First of all, we learned that, like... The, like really physical descriptions of the yerk interacting with the brain, mm-hmm. right? But we don't get like Cassie's like, oh, and then I'm in the brain and I experience all the feelings. But there wasn't quite this moment where she connects with his mind in the same way. And it's just kind of weird to think about the like in this it's like Aftran is physically in the brain, so she knows where the gland mm-hmm. is. But of course it's also like their consciousnesses exist and emerge off in Z space and uh-huh. stuff. It's uh-huh. like we don't really get much more information about the mm-hmm. the minds meeting side of it here. Uh-huh. It feels well, very much like weird. physically in the brain. Mr. Tidwell was talking to Cassie just by thinking. And Cassie's like, I didn't know how to talk back to him. And I was like, Really? You thought speak all the time. You actually could just thought speak to him because you're in morph. Right. Yeah, good point. So I think it was part of her not really understanding the Yurk instincts yeah. yet, but also that didn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> but Grace so, like just like the rest of this book, like where she performs <laughs> brain surgery on an alien and it's fine. So Mr. Tidwell says he's actually pretty good company. Mm-hmm. What do we think? How? In what way is a Yurk in your head good company? Someone to talk to. Can a Yurk tickle you? What? <laughs> your brain doesn't have nerve You can't endings. tickle yourself. Oh, oh. Okay, why would you want to be tickled? <laughs> no, but I mean, it doesn't have nerve endings, but it, it is the place where those feelings happen. Certainly. Right? You could generate a feeling, maybe. Or you could just Ugh. have your body tickle itself and... Like, yeah. do you still have separate feelings? sensations? You, I don't think you can see everything in the Yerk's mind. So possibly it could make your body do things that you aren't expecting. So could, there is definitely some yourself, dirty places this could go. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for picking up what I'm putting down here, Jenny. I was like, why did Ted go to tickling as the possibility well, yeah, here? I, no like, I, I don't want to know what's happening right now. I was going with like the innocent, oh, you can play like word games with yourself or like, <laughs> I'm just like tic-tac-toe. You, you could it would definitely right. be like texting. Let's come out and say yeah. it. Yeah. Having a yerk in your head might make having sex a lot more interesting. Right. It's, it's What's an orgasm like, like if it, it, it depending on how the the sensations yeah. go, right? Mm-hmm. You're not in control of what's happening to you. Yeah. And I mean, can the can the yerk also like control what things you feel, right? Oh, like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, well, and also if they're embedded in your brain, right? Are they able in any way to control what's happening in your brain? Like, can they help your brain release more serotonin while you orgasm to like? <laughs> really make that awesome. Yeah. Right? Or like, I don't hey, know. can they cure your we depression? Don't, we don't can have any Can they cure your like premature ejaculation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your brain. was able brilliant. to try to slow down Axe's heart. It was unclear if she was really succeeding. So I don't know how much they can control stuff that humans can't control about themselves. 
There are a lot of untapped possibilities. There are here. a lot of untapped possibilities. Yerks untapped with being a deliberate <laughs> choice, I hope. Yerks with their medical interventions. Like Ooh, yeah. You know. And that might that might answer a question too of like what kind of person would want a yerk in their head. Yeah, someone who wants their brain chemistry to be regulated. Yeah. You would have yeah. to also want the company in your head all the time. But like yeah. there are so many people who are lonely. Like people who are old and their kids don't come to visit them anymore and they want someone to talk to. And yeah. I think there are like, you know, special tablets you can get now where you like talk to like there's like people you can talk to, but like you could just have a yerk in your head, maybe you'd want that. Or Wait. people who are going mm-hmm. under for brain surgery. Ooh. What if you you know, you had like the you know, assistant yerk who would be put into your brain and, like, help the doctor do the brain surgery and then come out afterwards. Yeah. Okay, loophole. What if you acquire a yerk, morph a yerk, get trapped as a nothlet, use the time matrix to go back in time and infest yourself? <laughs> Stop, Ted. <laughs> All the control, none of the downsides. Come back. Because it's you in your own brain. Oh, so this is in the scenario where yurks have more control of the bodies than humans do. I don't do. want me in my brain. <laughs> I have enough me in my brain. I would be insufferable. <laughs> I don't need two of me. Yeah, that would be. It would be interesting if the yurks have more granular control over human bodies. We don't really get any indication that that's true. But certainly, if the yurk can do things that are somewhat surprising to the human, the sex possibilities are are definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm on board for that, but I just, I don't want two of me. <laughs> yeah, fair. Hey, fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't read far enough into the fan fiction to know what fandom posits, but I'm sure they have many interesting ideas. Yes. That we should probably go investigate. Not me. I'm out. <laughs> well, th- oh, we know God. about the Andalite egg controversy. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Is it do Andalites lay eggs? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's up there with Andalite torso truthers. Andalite <laughs> egg truthers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the internet. description of Andalites, again, in this book did not include, like, a chest or anything <laughs> also, like that. The fact that Eric can carry him around, I mean, I understand the strength thing. Eric is thing. incredibly strong. No, 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 but in terms of just the size and the way it mm-hmm. seems easier, this definitely puts me in, like, Axe's, like, pony or tiny horse size <laughs> yeah. instead of, like, little Sebastian, larger. Little yeah, so, which is really adorable. I love imagining Axe this I- way. I feel like pony might be about right. Ponies are like eleven hands. Like that's pretty. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah, but also more. We keep thinking of him as like part horse. Uh-huh. He's actually part deer. Oh yeah, they do keep saying that. Right, which is they have these tiny deer, are much deer smaller. Yeah, that are very very cute, and I want him to be one of those. So should we talk about the next book? Wait, I, I had one other thing. I was just looking through my notes. I was thinking about Cassie again. I really liked just. I know that I stand for Cassie hard. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate you bringing about a more balanced perspective on Cassie Gray. But <laughs> there are some amazing things in the first couple of chapters that are like so Cassie and make me love her so much. She's at the dance. She's having the best like goofy teenage dance moment of her life to date. And she's thinking about the morality of yurks and infestation and stuff. And oh, she's like, so true. A dance isn't a time to get philosophical. You know, I can't share these deep thoughts with my friends. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Cassie, this is great. And then she introduces <laughs> herself. A partner who can I, feel, I feel a little bad for her, but she's like, I just want to be a nice, normal girl, but I'm not normal and I'm not nice, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's right, but she's hard on herself because yeah. being nice is different than being a good person. It's and true. It's actually to her credit that when the chips are down she's in a lot of nice. these situations, yeah. she's not nice. And You're like so we've right. seen that aggressive side of her where it's like, how dare you do this to innocent people like in mm-hmm. the in the lab in the last book, right? Yeah. And 
Yeah, it's, that was great. It's very insightful. But also, what does it mean to be nice, right? Because her definition is like, I care about trees, which is... Nice is neat. <laughs> nice is neat. <laughs> <laughs> She's not neat enough. She sometimes has bird poop on her jeans. Oh, I love that. No, you're right. It's, it is, that is the kind of thing where you're like, what kind of person am I? Well, what do people say about me? They say I'm a tree hugger. That must be nice, right? But no, I also... Yeah, my, my friends think throats. I'm nice. Does that mean yeah. I'm actually a nice person? Yeah. Maybe. I also thought it was really interesting that, like, 19 was one really drawn-out, cold-blooded decision. Mm-hmm. Like, she has that moment right at the beginning where she's like, I should I should kill her. And then she's like, no, I'm going to help her instead with, uh-huh. like, the stick she's carrying. And then from then on, she's like, it's never a heat-of-the-moment type thing where, where she can really right. kill her again. Like, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of, like, oh, is she going to let the jaguar kill her? Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. here... All of her moral decisions are hot-blooded decisions where she, Mm. like, there's time pressure, so she can't stop to think about it. And Mm. I think it's just, it's really interesting that, like, the the way that her morality kicks in when she has time to think about it versus not feels very real. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I wonder if in a different situation where it was Axe versus the rest of the Animorphs, here Axe is kind Mm. of like dying slowly or something Mm -hmm. but if it was like if he was dying of a really horrible wound and he was going to bleed out and she had to like abandon him right and he was going to die in the moment in this case she doesn't know she's like there is a chance to save him if i go and rescue Mm -hmm. after and first but if she knew she's like axe is going to die in half an hour if i don't stay and like staunch his right and so even if that half an hour means that they're going to lose the war i kind of feel like maybe cassie would have stayed right so it's really interesting how how that kind of changes your calculation mm-hmm. yeah good point that is true yeah it's a messy thing as we learn in these books i also think if they were more seasoned at this war effort this guerrilla fighting they would probably train themselves to let themselves be killed even in the face of torture because this is why you have that whole thing of like okay if you're going to be a spy you have to be willing to just kind of die rather yeah. than give up secrets because yeah. they cyanide capsules after hasn't trained so obviously she's gonna yeah. give up viscer to viscer three all the secrets i was curious about how they would interrogate her actually i was like maybe mm-hmm. they will put her in the head of a voluntary like very cooperative host. oh well then you're it doesn't even matter because yeah. then you can't keep secrets right exactly oh that's a really good point yeah your logistics so do we want to talk about not book 30, but Megamorphs 3? <gasps> That's is that right. what's next? That's what's next. Oh my gosh. I'm it is so called Elfengor's Secret. Do you want to predict, just based on the title, what it's going to be about? Okay, wait. So it's Megamorphs book, which mm-hmm. means it's the ones that like bounce back and forth between all the perspectives. Yeah, yeah. So are they all... Does everybody know that Elfengor is Tobias's dad? Or just Tobias? Does they all know? Axe? Did he tell us? No. Axe knows. Axe knows. And and the way in which it came up made me think that they all know. He probably that's my impression that they all know. Yeah. So his secret is not that he's Tobias's dad, presumably. Yeah. Although the first Megamorphs was called the Andalite's Gift, and it was. Yeah, I don't know why I'm predicting based on the title. No, because I asked you to. Because I think it actually is 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 somewhat meaningful in this case. Is that giving way too much? Okay. uh, His secret is that he. I don't know. Secret is. I'm trying to think Ooh. of things that are secret from <laughs> Don't say it. You can't say it. What is uh-huh. secret? He's Tobias's dad. Maybe it's a it's maybe it's about Tobias's mom. Interesting. Or about him, something he did in the battle. Are we finally gonna learn why his nickname is Beast Elfengor? Because we have not gotten that explained yet in Beef Elfengor. Beef Elfengor. <laughs> Let's just do this. Let's look at the cover. All right. Yeah. This cover seems like it's going to be real unhelpful. It's going to be real unhelpful. 
Wait, I'm gonna go get text. my copy. All right. I wanna look at it too. Yep, that's very unhelpful. Who are these children? You know these children, except for that second less attractive Jake up there. Still solid. <laughs> these Bonus are terrible Jake. cover models. I mean, they're fine, right? But like. I actually, I like the Jake cover model, though he does look a little not large. Um, but <laughs> a little not large. I, I like Cassie. I think Axe is great. Yeah, he's really? the right size here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's not ridiculously buff. These are thin andalite arms, as they should be. Mm-hmm. Jake is kneeling. So if he stood, I guess he'd be really big. Wait, is that Jake? I thought that was Tobias. Oh, that's Jake. Yeah, that's the Jake model that we've seen in all the stuff. Yeah, Jake's in the middle kneeling. Yeah, yeah, I guess. He does not look like Tobias because he's not at all blonde or bird. Yeah, Tobias looks I've ever compared their cover models like next to each other. So Can I show the interior picture, no. Ted? No. Not yet. Until, let's let have Gray guess and then we can do oh, the interior. Okay. I'm not any better at guessing based on this cover. The cover is all of them but it is, yeah, that's in true. front of Elfengor's eyes. It's not useful. Um, but it is actually a helpful title. I feel like you can okay, generate something. Um, he, uh, okay, oh no, wait. The Elfengor's secret is that he gave these kids the morphing cube. So uh, maybe other Andalites are going to finally show up oh. and figure out that there are Andalite bandits, but they have to figure out who the Andalite bandits are because the, they know that there are no Andalites here. And so the, the Animorphs are his secret. I love it. I'm so excited I like for this. it. Should we look at the inside picture and see if it gives any more information? It does. What the f***? <laughs> oh, my God. Do they go back in time? Do, do they go back in time to World War II? Because those are World War II planes, and that is a blimp, and that is a mushroom cloud what i think it's just photoshopped maybe they go forward in time to the invention of photoshop okay my prediction is that they go back in time to world war ii and uh kill hitler okay cool great <laughs> and, i'm excited and then? <laughs> that's the whole book it's all about hitler whole book. they get a win and then they go back to their time i just want to know what happened like <laughs> is everything else the same? Yeah, everything else is the same. <laughs> okay. Including like the invention of apparently the, you know, hydrogen bomb, um, except that they kill Hitler. I like it. Is this is, just chalk up another win for the Animorphs. <laughs> Wipe out the dinosaurs. Kill Hitler. Oh. I mean, D-Day is happening in the background. What does this have to do with Elfangor? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why there's all this World War II stuff in this book. That's a good question. Cover. I'm very confused. And, yeah, I um, like how the animals. inside cover is rarely help. not useful. Okay, Elfengor. It is a very different prediction than it was. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe Elfengor uh, was actually um, part of a fighter. No, because he was in the 80s. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> all right. Well, no, you have a great prediction. It's, it's solid. We're going to find out what happens. It's definitely what happens. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for coming Yay, on our podcast. You, You've been such a great guest. Yay, so that was so fun. Have a blast from Ted's past. Yes. Aww. So glad you could join Hi, us. <laughs> thank you for sharing your insights. Yeah. You're welcome. Hope you enjoy them when you hear them back. It's always a good yes. experience. <laughs> yes, I've been loving this whole experience. I've been telling so many people, strangers, friends, to <laughs> listen. Yeah. A woman saw me with the Horkbidgeer Chronicles in my purse in the elevator like a couple weeks ago and was like, oh my God. And I was like, yes, you have to read them over again. It's totally different now as an oh, adult. So yes. <laughs> oh, so good. Though the nostalgia is definitely helpful. Breaking Animorphs news. The audiobooks 
are being released next year. <gasps> you can pre-order the first like Whoa. six or seven on Amazon, and the release date is for the first two is the first week of January. Wow! So that's really soon. I already bought them on Audible. Nice. So um, they've casted we'll the voices. If, then. Yes. We'll, we'll see if they're any good. They have the credit for who the voices are and different different voices for each book. Wow. Very exciting. Okay. Interesting. Thanks right. for joining us. Thanks, Emily. Bye. Talk to you soon. If you want to find us, we are at Animorphology.com and at Animorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Animorphs ebooks on our website. Glad that's on your search history. I feel like we have to keep the part, the, the tickling, uh, We'll keep that, part. and then I'm taking yeah. all of the penis stuff out. <laughs>